Good morning and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show Radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. I hope you're not too sleepy this morning. <laughs> Betty, you look marvelous. Why, thank you very much. Uh, the feeling is mutual. We're uh, doing this yet again via Zoom and um, everyone's jumping online. They're getting ready to watch us. I'm so glad. I'm, I miss you. I miss the hug. Miss you too. You know, okay, then virtual hug. Virtual hug. Right what? Oh, okay. Hug. Yeah. <laughs> and we're hugging my guest, Cynthia, who is not on the show yet, but she's here. So we're hugging everybody. Yeah. So anyway, welcome to the radio show. I am from my my lovely uh, little abode, my my sanctuary. You can see my little people out here that and, and my stars above my head. So I must be okay. Must be must be going to do okay. Anyway, um, I want to remind you, I'm Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area, going on 26 years in business. And I am doing everything remotely right now, which is interesting and challenging and actually like it a lot in some aspects. So um, I'm still not back in the office. I will let people know as soon as I get back in there. Um, we're kind of taking a look at what the what the requirements are for everybody getting back out there and I got to tell you I'm ready to go back <laughs> this has been really great but there's a lot going on so a couple of announcements to remind you that I do have a weekly meditation on Sunday mornings at 11 and please sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com and this is by donation and it's a donation of zero dollars all the way up to, you know, $22 if you want to go that high. But I, I wanted to make it available to people. It's just kind of a refresh, a renew. And then we're doing all kinds of things. This past week we did cord cutting, which I think is really important. But we're doing a lot of things to activate your light body because that's really kind of what my message is to people. I also have my monthly class with the women on May 16th at Temple of Divine Feminine. We are doing that virtual, and it's working out really, really well. And then a couple of astrology mentions, because it actually segues into bringing Cynthia onto the show. So Pluto went retrograde, and it will be retrograde until October 4th. And, oh, my friends, during this retrograde, we will be <laughs> overcoming our <laughs> deepest fears. We have reached a turning point. Our planet is recalibrating, and of course, I think we're doing it along with it. Major transformation is underway. But coming up this next week on Tuesday, we have one of the most important transits of the year. On May 5th, the nodes of the moon switch signs, and I'm going to spend just a few minutes on this because it's important. The movements of the nodes are going to be releasing some of this pressure and without going too far into it, the nodes are about our past lives, our karma, and our opportunity to rewrite our destiny. So it's real important to take a look at them. The only way to find out how to complete the karmic lesson of your south node is to look at your north, north node. So the south node uh, traditionally carries the karma of our past lives. The north node is our future but the North Node carries the keys of how to solve the problems of the South Node. Now, if that's not confusing enough, I'll give you an example because we've been living it to the max. So let's try to figure uh, what has happened with the nodal trance that we just went through. And from 2018 until May of 2020, which is 
like right now, like tomorrow, the North node has been in Cancer and the South node has been in Capricorn. Capricorn is where our challenges have been. It's our past karma. It's kind of the mess we've made. So Capricorn represents structures, systems, top-down hierarchies, politics, large organizations, work, 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 and the needs of the system being more important than the needs of the individual. It's a very worn out and corrupted patriarchal approach. And as the nodes have been transiting, we've also had a large number of other planets in Capricorn, that planet of structures and work, 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 which has really caused all this pressure on us. So obviously the answer is not in the south node. We don't need more structures, more hierarchies, more tight squeezes. So what's the way out? Well, we got to look at the north node in Cancer to find the answer. And what is Cancer? Nurturing, nourishing. It's about each individual being safe and looked after. It's about the individual, the family, Mother Earth, spending more time at home, taking care of the vulnerable, such as the children and the elderly, the archetype of the nurturing mother. So how weird is it that the virus has sent us all home? And look at how that has affected us. Who knew? Is it possible? And I'm, Cynthia, are you going to help me answer this question in a moment? Hang on. Is it possible the virus is part of our evolutionary process? Is it part of what has contained the keys to the opportunity for us to change our destiny? Is it helping us, I hesitate to say it, quantum jump? Cynthia, Sue, Larson, I can't wait to bring you on to the show. <laughs> so hang on a minute because I want to take a quick look at what is happening because the, those are the nodes we've been in. And in May, we shift. And what's going to happen? The north node is going to go into Gemini, and the south node is going into Sagittarius. Now, remember, the south node, Sagittarius, this is where our challenge lies. And Sagittarius is an interesting sign to create a challenge because it's our abstract mind, our intuition, our big picture thinking. Sagittarius is the spiritual teacher who tries to find meaning beyond logic, and is very much into abstraction. But as such, it can lack curiosity. It can prefer to follow a marked path, you know, trying to go up that path of ascension in a very particular way. There are times when we really need this kind of energy, but if we take a look at the world around us and how it's changing, we have a lot of that. We really do. We've developed a lot of it. The way out for the next couple of years is going to look, is for us to take a look at the North Node in Gemini. And Gemini is curious. They're logic based. They open their eyes. They want to find the facts, just the facts, please, ma'am. I'd like some knowledge. And they love to work with the people close around them. They're a curious explorer. And we're going to be watching them, all of us, come up with new, innovative, and tangible ideas for manifestation. So it's time for us to become those amazing conscious creators. And wow, that was a long segue. My guest today, I'm excited to have her, is the amazing Cynthia Sue Larson. 
She has a degree in physics. I don't even know what that is. From UC Berkeley, an MBA degree, a doctor of divinity, a second degree black belt. She has written several bestsellers to include quantum jumps, reality shifts, high energy money, and aura advantage. And Cynthia is an amazing woman who has studied and literally experienced jumping from one parallel universe to another. She might have been doing this very moment, Cynthia. I don't know, but I'm so glad to have you on the show. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Good morning, Loretta. It's so good, good to see morning. you. It's great to see you. And I was telling telling people you look like you have a halo around your head. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, this is a picture of um white buffalo calf woman. And so it's very feminine. Yeah. And she brings that message of peace and bringing the peace pipe to the peoples. So it's a Native American story, but it's good for all of us who relate to our land. And I think right now we're doing that with, as you said, this great awakening, this evolutionary process, thanks to the virus. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, um, I love white buffalo calf woman. She is dear to my heart and has brought me many, many messages. What a wonderful way to start this show. She must have wanted to say hello. So I want you to just jump right in. What What is the quantum revolution? What are we talking about here? Because I think anytime we say the word quantum, people start to get scared. Right, and we don't need to be scared. Quantum is natural. So the way I see it, quantum physics is just showing us, informing us of the nature of the tiny, tiny elements of matter. At least that's what we thought it was doing. It turns out it's doing a lot more than just showing us the tiny building blocks of the material nature of, of the world. So what I mean by tiny is if you think of a, of something, the smallest thing you could see, which would, might be very tiny, like a grain of sand, that's usually, you can picture it being made of molecules. If you remember your, your school studies of chemistry and so forth, those little models where you've got these um, tinker toys and so forth, <laughs> just showing you, here's a, a <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like going back to chemistry and thinking, okay, so we're putting some oxygen together with some hydrogen and you can get water. So your matter would be liquid and, you know, H2O, we, we call it. So people know H2O, we know that's water, that's a molecule. If you break it down, then you've got the hydrogen and the oxygen two of the hydrogens to one of the oxygen. That's what H2O means. And then if you look inside each of those atoms, like you look inside the oxygen, then you notice it's got a nucleus at the very center. It's mostly space. These atoms are very, um, they're wide open. It's kind of like in the scheme of things, if you bring it to human scale, it's like a football field apart is where the electrons are zooming around really fast around the orbits that they go in looks a lot like our solar system so um you know but when you get really tiny like that but that's not even the weird part then it starts getting weird i mean it, it's all pretty normal up till there it might start seeming a bit weird because you're looking inside the atom and it's like whoa big space but um when you go and you decide okay we want to see what's inside an electron can we go any any smaller and that's where it gets super fascinating because that electron is a quantum particle is capable of making what we call a quantum jump from one level of energy to another where we can literally see it blips out of existence. Like it goes from one energy level of orbit to the next and it's gone for a moment. It's kind of like it's there, now you see it, now you don't, boom, and it's moved on. 
So we can actually see some of these quantum jumps with the naked eye that was observed a number of years ago. Um, but then the, what your question is, what's the quantum revolution? It's not just going to be affecting chemistry anymore. Thanks to, I believe, thanks to our technology driving this process where we humans are, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And we've miniaturized our devices, our cell phones and our laptops to the point that we can't really get any more power in our computers until we go um, kind of one level down, smaller than we've even achieved miniaturization of. And so that requires that we're getting into the quantum nature of reality. <laughs> and that's going to affect every field of science. That's the quantum revolution. So there's not going to be anything untouched. Biology is already recognizing the truth that nature has already established this very quantum observation-based reality. So the observer plays a key role in quantum physics. No longer can we pretend that you can conduct an, um, this observation um, sort of without getting yourself as part of the experiment. And that's huge. So now when you know the observer plays a role, and I think that's the, probably the number one biggest thing um, that sets quantum physics apart from classical physics. In classical physics, you can be an objective observer. We thought that was what's the way Western science works. Turns out you can't really do any objective observation in the realm of quantum physics at all. And it gets weirder, but that's just the starting point. <laughs> I love it getting weirder. Um, I had several ahas while you were talking and this idea that Yes, we we are part of the equation. I, I've had a um, two two things I want to say. Um, when I was visiting the temples in Egypt, you know, um, with my group uh, a while back, um, we went to this one temple, and afterwards, people were went to buy statues of deities, right? And uh, the man said to me on the side, he said, "You do know that the smaller ones have the most power." Uh huh. And I went, oh, that talks to your quantum, that talks to your quantum idea. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that I've had so many people on my show lately who have been talking about um, this connection of, of um, I'm going to say science and spirituality and bringing that quantum uh, idea into, uh, like, for instance, you really cross that bridge or you really make that connection. And... Um, but this idea that particles or something, whatever you said they were, can jump, where do they go? Do right. they just, I mean, can you answer that question or I'm like, where do they go? <laughs> we don't actually know because um, that gets into some of the other interesting magical qualities of quantum world, which means that when they blip out of existence, it looks like they're literally um, sort of turning into a probability wave. They're becoming all possibility and they're embodying a range of um, various possibilities that we can't witness. So when they're out of um, observation, in other words, they've kind of left the room, <laughs> we're not looking, you know, in that little moment where we can't see them, that's what seems like uh, electrons, photons, all the quantum particles are doing is, um, and you see this in the double slit experiment where an observer again plays a key role, of course. And the very nature of the observation of looking at the apparatus, which is very simple apparatus. It involves a particle emitter, which is firing one photon at a time usually. 
and then there's a screen in between the emitter and then the final wall. So the in-between um, barrier is the double slits. It's like two little doorways. Um, you could just use a piece of cardboard because you're just shooting little beams of light. So it's whatever you've chosen to put in the middle with the two little narrow slits. The slits are important that they look like little doorways that are kind of narrow and tall because what they enable the apparatus to do is to show basically on the final screen, the, the wall on the other side of the emitter, um, sort of a diffraction pattern, which looks a lot like the ripples on a pond when you throw two pebbles into the pond. You see, um, like if you throw one pebble, you get concentric circles moving out like big circles would. When you throw two pebbles in, then you get constructive and destructive interference. And that's what you're seeing on that final wall, even um, when you're shooting one photon through at a time. So uh, what scientists were sort of expecting to see is to, well, they didn't know what they were going to see, uh, but they were thinking maybe if the particle, the photon is a particle, then it would act like a paintball getting flung through one of the slits. And then you get a bunch of splats on one side or the other side of the doorways. And you can see that with this ex experimental apparatus, but only if you put your observation detection device so that you can literally witness and, and measure and observe which doorway the photon went through. When you're doing that, then it acts like a paintball. When you're not looking at the slits, then it acts like um, even one photon at a time, you end up with that amazing pattern. It's like the photons know what, what you're doing. They know if you're looking or not. They know if you're measuring at the doorway or not. Yeah. That's very interesting. So we as the observer play a very important part. And, and I'm just going to I'm going to jump to this question, right? Uh, we're talking about, um, you know, particles or, or photons, as you say, jumping. What about people jumping? And, and you have a great group called Reality Shifters. You do a show, you do a radio show yourself. Talk a little bit about how this comes into uh, the living level of our lives. Right. And goodness, uh, that's a big question. I don't know where you want to jump in. I'm I'm thinking uh, parallel realities, quantum jumping. There's these words that we have heard all the time. And then the Mandela effect, you know, like how, how are these things related to each other or are they? Yes, they're related. So starting with the question about how do we make quantum jumps? Um, we uh, My book, Quantum Jumps, gets into the science of how to do that. And I look at lots of laboratory tested proven things that we can do. Some of them turn out to be thousands of years old, um, but they're only recently being tested. So if you want willpower, for example, one example in the book Quantum Jumps is you can open your hands as wide as you can, so that things like, just as wide as you possibly can, open those fingers all the way and just hold it for a few seconds. You can remember to breathe. You always want to breathe to your lower abdomen. Okay. And then you can make tight, tight fists. And this gives you willpower. So if you just want to do something and you feel like I'm having trouble doing it, whatever that is, sticking to a diet, not snacking, whatever, this is actually proven to work in the laboratory. Um, I'm showing you this amazing thing and I'm telling you it's thousands of years old because I practice martial arts. One of the things we do are key exercises. <laughs> like if you ever do martial arts, you might notice you open your fingers wide and you make a tight fist. And I, I never see it explained in the martial arts that you're giving yourself willpower. But of course, you're always working on your indomitable spirit. So you want to bring that, that refreshing feeling of spirit to you. So that's an example that you can use right now today. 
very powerful. So it seems like almost nothing, but um, a lot of these things seem that way. If you've got a clean pencil or pen, you're feeling depressed, being in lockdown, um, this is proven to work as well to cheer you up. It's going to seem kind of silly or foolish, but you, I, mean, I can't talk what I'm doing it, but you'll put this in your mouth if it's clean. Use um, some kind of, <laughs> we're all into cleanliness now, right? So it's nice and clean. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I know, I'm trying not to laugh. You'll put it in your mouth and then turn the corners of your mouth up, kind of like this will do it for just a second. <laughs> and even if you're not feeling happy or cheerful, just the fact that you're doing that, remember to breathe again. Um, just do it for like a, maybe a few seconds, a minute. doesn't need to be long. This will has been proven to boost your mood, help you laugh at jokes that otherwise weren't funny. Like people are still sending out those memes that like, oh, not another one about toilet paper, but it'll seem funnier than it would otherwise. You'll be in a better mood. So these are just a couple of examples. Um, and I use them even though they seem kind of silly, like, well, how do you know that you're in a different reality? This is a subject I've been tracking for over 20 years. And you mentioned realityshifters.com, my website, mm -hmm. my newsletter every month. I've been tracking firsthand reports from around the world, including I share my own experiences as well, because I've been witnessing literal shifts in reality. And this is uh, kind of something where it just happens. You don't know what's going on. You might put your keys down or your pen down. You, you know where you put it, but now it's moved on its own, like it teleported all by itself. And so this is real. And when I started documenting this in the 1990s, it was going out on the on a limb, actually, because <laughs> people were not doing <laughs> But thanks to having such an early track record, um, every month for more than 20 years, I've been tracking firsthand wow. reports from people around the world. So I've got the location of where in the world this happened, what they were observing, how it changed, and, you know, from a scientific point of view, this is very good. It's a very solid body of evidence going back through all those hundreds of issues of reality shifters, proving, at least to those of us who experience it, that you're not alone. This is a real thing. And so then the difference with quantum jumping, the way I use the term, is that's where you're saying, I want to boost my willpower. I want to uh, be able to understand what Cynthia is talking about right now. Then for that one, you can point at your head. My mother used to do this with her kindergarten kids, just have them tap their head. But you can, just, you can literally just point at your head and you'll start feeling like this is making more sense to me. It's, I, I know. <laughs> this is another scientifically proven laboratory tested um, simple wow. thing to make a quantum jump. It's been proven that people doing this end up doing better on cognitive tests like games and puzzles, but it would also work if you're being tested uh, for a job interview or whatever, whatever you're about to face where you need to come through feeling a, a lot smarter, this actually boosts your cognitive skills. So quantum jumping does not necessarily mean that um, I, I suddenly am, um, you know, living a completely different life. We're, we're shifting all the time. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Right. Or we can consciously do that. You yeah. can, yeah, you can consciously do it. If you remember the example that I shared about a little quantum um, electron just moving from one orbit to another, that it takes energy to make that jump. Yeah. So if you make a jump like you, and I've, we, I've helped people make jumps where they had a broken bone and it was healed, uh, they had cancer and it was gone. 
that takes energy to jump into that kind of a reality where suddenly you're in a different reality. There's a different history. Um, so like, for example, the person who broke her bone, a dear friend of mine, I was talking with her on the phone and she'd been jumping boulder to boulder. So I hadn't even seen her in a long time because we used to live close by, but now she was living in, San, in Southern California. I was living in Northern California. California is a huge state. It takes like eight hours to drive between. So I'm, yeah. I'm just talking to her on the phone. She's hobbling around on crutches. Her leg is broken, but I'm just reminding her that she'd actually seen that I'd had a cut on my arm and I put my hand over it and it was instantly healed. That's another quantum jump. You bring energy. This is why Reiki works if you want the science of it. Absolutely. You're bringing energy to the situation. You're choosing to observe a little differently. You're, you know, with Reiki, you're going into that beautiful state of all possibility. And then you're anchoring in the reality you'd like to go to. That would be the quantum jump. So long story short, my friends, um, as I'm talking to her on the phone, she said, wow, my leg is starting to feel itchy. And I described this, this whole story in my book, Quantum Jump, so you can read it. And I said, that's a good sign if it's feeling itchy, you know, because that means probably it's healing. I, I don't know how soon it'll heal. Um, but then very soon after, she felt like it was fine when she went to see a doctor. Um, they were confused because it, the situation didn't match their notes that the patient had had, um, you know, obviously signs of a broken bone. I think they had x-rays. So the whole thing quickly changed. But I'm sure you've seen that too with Reiki. Amazing, miraculous mm -hmm. things can and do occur. So yeah. yes, you can make big jumps. But on the, on the daily basis... You may, um, I think the little things are big. I love your story about, you know, the power is in the little, little tiny ones. And I think that's really true. So yeah. we might be fascinated with the big jumps and making a big deal out of it. But I think sometimes just those little jumps, like today, I'm going to wake up and feel great. That might be a little thing. Like, well, what difference does that make? That changes your whole day. So <laughs> little things are big. No, I, I, I so agree with that. And it's interesting because I just had a, a conversation with one of my clients yesterday about that old thing like you know you really can consciously do things to change that and you're absolutely right you know if you go through the day all grumpy and and down you're going to have a very different day than if you you know get yourself up and and smile and and um, you know change cha consciously change the the trajectory of everything that's going to happen is kind of how I look at that. It, it plays into my talk about the north and south nodes. But we're going to actually take a station break, Benny, if it's a good time. Yeah, let's do it. And yeah, and this is Loretta Brown, my amazing guest, guest, one of my soul sisters, Cynthia Sue Larson. And don't go away, because when we get back, we're going to talk about... Um, uh, more about quantum jumping and Mandela effect and probably a little bit about the, the virus and what's that got to do with anything, right? We'll be right back. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today.
During these challenging times, there's a place that provides vet care for people who cannot afford it. It's called Doni Co Pet Clinic, and it's been providing veterinary and wellness care for thousands of pets in the Seattle area since 1986. This includes access to spay and neutering, which is a requirement for all pets. If you'd like to find out more about Doni Co or to make a donation, visit donico.org. That's D O N E Y C O E.org. It's time that you are heard, and I don't mean in just a conversation. I mean really heard. Imagine hosting your very own radio program on Alternative Talk 1150. Talk about being heard. Call 425-653-1150 right now to learn how affordable it can be to host your own radio show. Time slots are going fast, so take hold of this chance by dialing 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show with Loretta Brown. Hey, who knew? <laughs> the name is perfect. <laughs> My guest today is, is Cynthia, Cynthia Sue Larson. I have to stop laughing so much, Cynthia. And uh, I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, and she does all kinds of things with quantum jumping, realityshifters.com. Is that it? That's yeah. right. And um, before the break, Cynthia really said something, or during the break, she said something that I just have to repeat because I think this is the key to the whole thing. We are the observers, and as the observer of our life, we're the ones that, how should I say this? We're the one that shift our reality. Yeah. That's right. And it happens by the way we choose to observe it. So if you know that it makes a difference if you're smiling, like we use the pen example. <laughs> if you're observing with a smile, you have a sense of humor, things are funnier if you choose um, to do that. But sometimes we forget we've got that choice and we take things really heavily. And if you're taking it heavily, you're not going to be able to see the actual opportunities that would be there just by changing your attitude and your perspective, the way you observe. So I... I, I realize that I've got 8,000 questions in our time. Just We're going to try to stretch that out a little bit. Um, you know, because I'm thinking about um, the uh, coronavirus, the pandemic. I'm thinking about memory. I'm thinking about our, 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 we're the observers, and so therefore our experience is very uniquely our very own. And yet, and I don't know if you can talk to this, but the fact that I've I've pondered this a lot. We are a collective, like we're, I'm not sure the right words would entanglement be the right word, quantum entanglement? Yes. Maybe. Um, we're all in this together. Do you want to just sort of address that in in your beautiful way? Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. there's 85 questions in there, right? <laughs> right. So we want to weave in the virus and our entanglement, our connection with others. Um, uh, long story short, on the entanglement, we are healthier when we have a community. So right now, it's an interesting time because the virus is, of course, we're sheltering in, in place all around the world, each of us doing the same thing at the same time. So at the same time, we have a sense, if you invite it, that we are connected to everyone else doing what we're doing. It's not just we're the one who can't play baseball in the park today. Nobody can play baseball in the park today around the world. So that's a feeling of entanglement when you start recognizing my network is, um, of course, it's my own network, but right now I'm connected to everybody. 
So that's that um, extraordinary feeling that some of us who are intuitive are really sensing right now. At, at the same time as we're witnessing the earth beginning to breathe, the blue sky over Los Angeles, clear water in the canals in Venice. And yeah. so there's this, this collective sigh of relief, like, okay, we're all taking a time out. We're all getting a chance to, if we want to, boost our energy. We're getting a chance to meditate. We're getting a chance to be still, to go within. I love what you said about the, the nodes and that whole idea of moving out of that hierarchical, oppressive feeling of work. And I am Cap uh, Capricorn, triple Capricorn. <laughs> so I can, you know. Woo! I, I know. I know. <laughs> my, my, my moon's in Capricorn, so I'm very affected by it too. Oh, yes. So you can feel it. So I've got my sun and I've got um, Venus and, and Mars. So I've got a very interesting combination. But anyway. So I understand the Capricorn thing, but I get the joy. I'll send of you some love right now. <laughs> well, anyway, that's okay. At least, I'm, at least for those of us who are Capricorn, we're familiar with the heavy feeling of so much responsibility. So that's good. Uh, but I love moving into this Gemini and Sagittarius combo that's coming. Uh, but getting back to the physics again. So um, let's stay there. So with the when we are the observer of our life, and that is a key observation. And you recognize you've got levels of being because when you're a part of a team, it feels different than when you're flying solo and doing your own thing. So I do um, solo activities, um, you know, with my martial arts is more of you focus on yourself mostly. So you're working on your forms and trying to perfect your moves. It's like Tai Chi. We have forms, so it's very beautiful and flowing. And you can kind of tell when it's working and when it's not because things feel right or they don't. Um, but then when you're working in a group environment and everybody's involved around the world, that's different. So um, that, that's what I meant about the nodes being relevant with what you said earlier about the virus. We are definitely feeling both. And in physics, when you look at the entanglement, um, okay, entanglement, what does that mean? It means that they're, um, okay, let's take a look at like flipping a coin. Usually, because our computers work that way, they're like a coin toss and then it's random process occurs. You either get heads or tails. We're familiar with that. It's binary, one or the other. We think that that's the way things are. Remember, nature is actually quantum. So it's um, it always has been. It's not like suddenly like, oh my gosh, we're in a simulation. Maybe, or maybe um, we're finally recognizing that what we thought we invented, nature was there first, as usual. I think that's more the case. But with the entanglement situation, you've got uh, for the quantum computers that are being built right now, Imagine that you're flipping a dozen coins in the air. They're all up in the air spinning. They're in the realm of possibility. We don't know how they're going to land. And um, this is these are qubits we're talking about. And you calculate the probability of heads or tails based on um, you know this quantum probability. But you can also recognize that when they all land, if they're entangled, they'll all be the same. Mm -hmm. So suddenly you've got 12 heads or you've got 12 tails. But in that moment of unknown, You've got probabilities happening and it's an entangled group so the power of quantum computing comes from partially this entanglement and also um, other factors like the superposition of states where in the air they're both heads and tails and they're both so it's like that schrodinger's cat being alive and dead it's the idea that something can be in an unobserved state until you observe it What's happening? Where is it in between? We don't have any quantum interpretation that everyone agrees on right now. So I can't tell you like, well, for sure, 
we're living in a multiverse. Uh, it looks that way, but we can't say that for sure. These are interpretations. Uh, we can say maybe it's a handshake through time, like time travel, like we're getting information. It does look like that for sure, but we can't say for sure that it is the transactional interpretation. It might be a holographic universe. It looks that way. Like one small thing here can affect something else way over there. Yes, but we can't say for sure that it is. Well, and I'm, I'm thinking while you're talking at a, at a very, uh, you know, like the, the fact that everybody, okay, so we're all experiencing this sheltering, you know, with the pandemic, but our observation of it, like I could be in, in extreme fear over here, or I could be in, it's okay, things are working out the way they are, right, you know, right. or um, I could be focused on something completely different, right? Right. And 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 that that ability to uh, affect that or to create that or to be part of that process is is kind of intriguing to me. Um, in this in this realm of uh, you know qu quantum effect or quantum entanglement, quantum jumping, um, the way that we are connected to each other, and you and I kind of talked during the break, like it's very energetic. Um, and, and I'm thinking along the lines of, of timelines, whether or not timelines actually exist or not. Um, can I can I affect the past? Can yes. I? Okay. Um, and and how does memory does memory play into this at any level? Yeah. yeah, this is where it all intersects. Actually, you're right. You go. You're going right to the center of things, like you did with noticing that when you're the observer of your life, that's the key idea. Same thing with this time aspect, because you can change the your past. Like my friend Susan, who had that broken leg, and then suddenly she didn't. And now, the other part of that story is, as typically is the case, there's now a backstory, where uh, according to the doctors, she never, maybe she never had a broken leg. It, it gets kind of weird when you get into this territory. So some of the proof that this happened might vanish and all you've got left are your memories. Like, I know my leg was broken. I know that's what they said. And it's okay if it changes. That's what I'm, I, I'm most excited about, about this research I've been doing for more than 20 years, that it's okay to recognize that sometimes the past changes. And I, I like to keep that attitude, how good can it get? That applies to the past as well. Because when you've got things changing, you can literally see like the, the past, the historical facts are different. Everything has just shaped, shifted. And I think that's so extraordinary, so exciting. Well, that, that takes us into the Mandela effect, doesn't it? I mean, can you talk about that? Because I'm fascinated by that. I mean, I, I am one of those people that literally remember Nelson Mandela passed away and then, no, he's not, right? Right. So could you please explain to people uh, what that is if they don't know? Okay, yeah. so the Mandela effect, uh, a lot of people in America are talking about the Berenstain or Berenstein bears uh, or Berenstein. <laughs> like, how do you pronounce that favorite <laughs> book that everyone knows? Yeah, it was Berenstein for me. It right. <laughs> right. And now apparently it, you could never pronounce it that way because apparently it's always been Berenstain. And if you look it up and you talk to the authors and their families, they'll kind of be annoyed, like it's always been Berenstain. <laughs> and similarly with um, Nelson Mandela, which is where the phrase Mandela effect came from, uh, that was reported um, 
you know, like you and I both heard originally, I, I don't know what it was for you, but for me, maybe the late eighties, early, somewhere in there. Somewhere he, in there. Yeah. He was, he was, um, in, he was in an institution in jail in on Robin Island for um, the work that he'd done for the uprising of the, um, the African, um, you know, the, the blacks that had not had any real um, freedom or rights. And so he'd fought for that and that's how he'd ended up in prison. But, um, and so it wasn't that unexpected that he died. What was weird for a lot of us is when we suddenly noticed, whoa, he's alive. And then it started, uh, that became a topic Fiona Broom is given a lot of the credit for that, but actually Art Bell also brought the subject up much earlier, around 2001 on his Coast to Coast show. He had hundreds of people writing to him where he was saying, I, this is weird because, and to Art Bell, it seemed like time travelers had done this. So there's a lot of open speculation in the community, the Mandela Effect community of what's going on. And there are lots of theories, which is why uh, there have been some conferences happening, and we're going to have another one coming up in June, free. It's going to be um, telebroadcast, live streaming, June 20th through the 26th. And you can go to the website, imec.world, for all the information. That's uh, International Mandela Effect Conference, or imec for short, .world. So we'll, um, I'll be speaking, our keynote will be Regina Meredith. Oh, wonderful. I love Regina. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. 15 speakers, lots of uh, panels and questions and answer and involvement from everybody that wants to be involved. So, yeah, but this is a huge thing, this whole Mandela effect. And I think I, it really embodies what I've been looking at when I, what I called reality shifts. That's a personal Mandela effect. So when, what happens when you see a collective experience, like with Nelson Mandela suddenly being alive when we remember he died. Now, of course, he's died again a few years ago. For some of us, these things also change. Like uh, some people, it seems like their date of death moves around a little bit. Um, so there's, it, you're not necessarily crazy if you've noticed some of these things. And it's very reassuring, I think, to find communities where people can say, I remember it that way too. Like the kidneys in the body, I remember I do martial arts. And if you put your hands where your kidneys used to be, it's kind of like you've climbed up a big hill and you put your hands on the lower back, right? Right. That's what I remember. Yeah. In martial arts, that's, there's something called a kidney punch. You know not to do it because it, it wasn't just folklore, but we were told if you strike, hit, or kick someone in the kidneys in that lower back position, they might start bleeding in their urine. They might die. It was very dangerous. There's no more risk of that because the kidneys are not lo located there anymore. And that affected like 8 billion people on the planet, seemingly instantaneously. Uh, kidneys are now relatively safely tucked under the ribs. They've moved up. So that's They are? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> oh, that's very fascinating. So, yeah. so in, this, in this Mandela effect, um, because this is big news. For those of you that don't know about it, you really should uh, search it out. And of course, go check out Cynthia Sue Larson and and um, find out, because you've done research on this forever. And uh, to me, it's fascinating because it it's all kinds of things that, it, that I grew up with that you're right, they're not there anymore. And um, the kidneys, the shifting of the body, I was not aware of those things. The, the healing of things, like I've actually seen that in my Reiki practice too, where you know somebody came in when their face was all beat up and 
and and and I put my hands there for Reiki and the bruising and the swelling all just went away, right? So yeah, that's fascinating. And this so, gets into your timeline. You mentioned yes. earlier about timelines and time travel. So that's where this all comes up again. It becomes a topic of um, what are these? Are these different timelines? It does look like it. And then is there some sort of orthogonal movement through the timelines? It appears to be the case. Yeah. There's a, a great movie with Gwyneth Paltrow called Sliding Doors, right? Which where, where she's running for the subway and then um, the door closes right in front of her and then they follow that and then they do it again where she runs to the subway and she makes it on and they show that, that what happens with just that one change and how that affects her life. And, That's right. uh, I love that movie. That's such a good mm -hmm. example. Yes. Yeah, I, I, it was kind of eye-opening for me and I really sat and pondered it and I thought to myself, you know, it, all day long, every moment, I mean, we have so many choices to make all the time and sort of like what you were talking earlier about, if you, you know, want to smile, you know, or point to your head and figure it out, right? Um, but the choices that we make, they do take us in a different direction. So in that way, then, um, are we changing the future? Are we, you know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we're changing the future and the past. We usually don't notice that we've just changed the past as well. So that tends to be um, not so much something we pay attention to. The exception is I get a lot of emails from people that write to me and they say, I just want to change this one thing. A mistake was made. Can I go back and fix it? And uh, for average people, that, that's kind of like they want to be a Jedi master in one go. It's like, give me the baking recipe for how to make cupcakes and I will become a Jedi master and do this. Um, I don't think it works that way. Is it doable? I think anything's doable. But um, you can't get a recipe for success, at least not that I've seen, that anybody can do. Because this is much more an activity akin to, it, it takes the, the martial arts mental focus, the martial arts breath training and energy training. So if you really want to be good at it, I would say study martial arts, <laughs> actually. Um, it's going to help. A tai Chi, that would be good. Yoga would be good. So if you don't feel like there's a martial art you can do, there are lots of good training systems that, that are available. But yeah, absolutely. So you're seeing those literal changes in those uh, in the past. Yeah, and I'm hearing what you're saying too. So in order to purposely quantum jump, right, or reality shift, whichever way you want to put that, it takes focus. Yes. Okay. Absolute focus. It, you know, they say fake, fake it until you make it. Is there some element of that in there or it's more than that? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because what we did with the pen, this is a, this is one of the, um, the techniques from the field of embodied cognition. It's a research field in psychology right now. So people that do embodied cognition recognize that you can put your body through the movements that your the rest of you associates with a certain cognitive state of being like happiness and you'll just jump into that you'll, you'll bring yourself there and so that that is really a key aspect of it um, so, and I do mention a lot of examples in my book quantum jumps from embodied cognition because there's they're perfectly geared toward bringing us all of, of a piece and, and this gets back to the key of being the observer of your life um, to do that really well you need to be unified you need to be integrated most people are not. So that means their mind is somewhere, their heart is somewhere, and their, their gut is yet a third place. That's the real reason it helps to do Tai Chi, 
yoga or martial arts because you need to bring it together. And unless you've been practicing to do that, chances are that you are longing for things that are really out of your range that you don't really want, but you think you want them. And your heart is usually broken or kind of trampled and you're feeling mm -hmm. um, just really heavy about things that have happened that you could move on, but you're not able, you feel like you can't. And then your gut, your subconscious is constantly telling you that you don't have the energy to do things. And then you get into downwards cycles of eating badly, um, unfortunate love relationships and so forth. But you don't need to do that. You can bring it together. And when you bring it together, you're all of a piece. You, you become that feeling of like your spirit in your life. You feel inspired. You feel present. You feel like you're not torn in different directions. And you can start practicing good things um, such as movement and meditation, eating well, resting well. And then even in a lockdown situation, you can feel fantastic. Yeah, I think bringing that the body in is so important. Um, uh, I call it the mind-body-spirit connection. It's the same thing that you're talking about. But, um, yeah, it's a, you change something, you change everything. Kind of the little things, kind of what you said earlier. Um, what, what, I'm just going to ask a general question. Maybe it's got an answer, maybe not. What do you think is the most one of the most important things that we can be doing during this time of massive change? Um, really, this is a good time to ask yourself what you're living for, to really become that unified being that you are here to be. Uh, if you feel like you don't can't answer that question, someone asked the other day, they asked me, well, how do I know what that is? How do I know what I'm here to do? Uh, you can ask yourself that when you fall asleep every night. And ask yourself to get dreams that instruct you and guide you. You can go out in nature if you're able to and just feel, again, that, that asking that question, what am I here? What am I living for? You know, what is the purpose of this for me? I think this is a huge opportunity for all of us to get that reset. And because our subjective experience is so powerful, uh, just it, it'll change your life for sure. But also when you become more positive, you'll have this amazing impact on everyone you're entangled with. You'll be able to lift their spirits. So um, that's why I'm sure you've noticed, um, Loretta, because you're such a bright light that if you, you, you don't really have the option right now to get negative because it drags everybody down. <laughs> so it's like, that's, I can't go there. So, right, you can't go there. You wouldn't <laughs> want to anyway. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm giggling because um, once again, I've had this conversation with people lately and uh, I have in, in my head a list of about 8,000 things to go do to lift my spirits in case I start to go down. And then there is that what I call attending to the self, right? You know, I do have to attend to the self as well as to others and so do you and I, I know you get that one. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's true for everyone listening because you, people have more people watching them than they realize. I think I think that's a big thing, and that's hopefully what everyone's noticing is that you're missed. You, you know, just the fact that you're not in your usual communities, people miss you. They need you. Yeah, 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 and everybody's feeling that too. I also notice, like, if I go to the grocery store, that people are sort of like, right? And <laughs> and I'm 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 such a I'm a hugger, right? You know, I'm a hug whore is what I tell people and um, so we're going to have to you know get back into things gently I know we're going to have to do it gently and and uh, but our hearts are all in it together we're in this together and 
I have this sense that we are even right now, as you and I are talking, we are creating moment by moment by moment. And if we can keep focused on that good thing that we want, um, that would really be my hope for the future. Um, where can people find you? What do you offer? We've got about oh, two minutes left or something. Um, and, and, and any last words from you to everybody? Yes. Um, my website, we mentioned it. It's uh, realityshifters.com. That's the main place to find me. Then you can uh, sign up for my newsletter. So you'll find out when I've got events um, such as this interview, anything that I do on YouTube, uh, my podcast, Living the Quantum Dream. Um, so there's all of that going on. And then uh, I, I like to include information each month. I'll be announcing the conference that's coming up. And I mentioned that website also. That's imec.world with 15 speakers, keynote address by Regina Meredith. And I think everybody knows who she is. She was instrumental in getting most of the programming going at Gaia that people know about right now. She really helped found that. So uh, she's amazing. Other things that I do uh, are all announced on realityshifters.com. So you can see my Twitter, my Facebook, all of that. And each month's newsletter specifically targeting whatever's happening in the world, like this great awakening that we're having as we evolve as humans, individually and collectively. And then uh, my favorite expression, everybody knows who watches my videos, of course, how good can it get? And I love to ask that about the future, about the past, every situation. It really opens up that field of possibility again. And that's the key, uh, just to let go of what you think is happening, what you think you know, what you think must be, and allow it to open to invite the magical, the wonderful, the exceptional. I, yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Cynthia Sue Larson, amazing. you got to check her out, realityshifts.com. And do catch that online teleconference June 20 through 26. And uh, everybody be good. I'm Loretta Brown with Reiki Oasis. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care of your nodes. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs>